1: welcome back in everybody right here to the early line giving you the winning edge on sports grid our number two i'm dane martinez the spitting statistician i got the candle burner kevin walsh with me big shout out of course sirius xm channel 204 kev divisional weekend is almost upon us right we're gonna have four games two on saturday two on sunday and the big boys are in town as well just like last weekend though kev there were some interesting markets Right, Our friends and partners over at FanDuel give you no shortage of ways to kind of win, to kind of get a little bit of action this weekend. And there's a market I thought was interesting, Kev. Just like last week, they will do, who do you think will be the highest scoring team and the lowest scoring team of the divisional weekend? And I want to ask you in this context because I look at the totals of the games and there seems to be obvious answers for these, right? Or do you want to kind of go... Uh, off the beaten path so the reason i say this tampa bay new orleans is in the low 50s right baltimore buffalo is in the low 50s i think it's 50 and a half and uh the saints bucks i believe is 52 right now then you have cleveland kansas city with a total of 57 58 projected to be the highest and you have the rams and the packers at like 45 and a half projected to be the lowest Do you not just lean with team totals or totals in this game and think, like, oh, Kansas City will be the highest-scoring team and, oh, the Rams will be the lowest-scoring team? Just thinking, like, team totals, spreads, and the totals that the book is giving on the actual games? What are you looking at in this market, Kev?
2: So what I think is, first of all, immediately jumps out, right? The four favorites in the market are the teams that are favored to win their games. So immediately it does offer you value if you're going to take a dog, which is good because you should be getting value. You're picking an upset, right? right? Because you can't be the highest scoring team if you don't win because then your opponent scores more than you. Pretty simple. But, again, you need to make sure that that value is represented. It is in this market. What I think is really interesting is just to start at the top with the Kansas City Chiefs. Their team total is 34. I mean, comfortably the highest of the weekend, right? Yeah. Part of me kind of wants to play it to the over. Which means we're gonna get thirty five points at the at the minimum from the Chiefs. So I ask you, Dane, from a value perspective, if I think the Chiefs are gonna score thirty five, do I almost have an obligation to put a portion of that unit or, you know, find another unit on this team at plus two forty to be the highest scoring team? Because I kind of think you do.
1: I think so too and you've been such done such a great job of finding corollary bets and how to split the unit and think if you do this you can get it at a better value over here and so yeah I I do <sighs> Or you could just do the team total or just bet them to win the game, right? You may be complicating it because you could get the Chiefs over a team total, right? You could get – and then still the random, you know, uh, Buffalo-Baltimore game goes into the 60s, right? Or, you know, a team I'm interested by and I know you feel differently is Tampa Bay, right? Like their offense has been rolling. I know they're not a favorite to win the game. I know they're against the top five defense in the Saints, right? But, like – What I've seen since their buy, they're averaging almost something that would be a contender in this market, you know? So I suggest that as well. But, you know, I I believe in the Bucks in this trilogy, and I know you may not see it in the same way, but that is something I would offer. I wanna ask you, though, what about the inverse? Do you apply the same logic? To the inverse and the lowest team total, as we welcome in our radio audience so many ways to get the winning edge on the grid, watching us, listening to us. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting Statistician. We got the candle burner, Kevin Walsh here. Big shout-out to everybody, the mightier 1090, and of course, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Kev, do you apply the same logic? Um, opposite.
2: Yeah, so first of all, let me just say this, funny enough. The Bucks are one of only three teams I would consider in the highest scoring market. The Chiefs, because again, even though it's only plus 240, they're worth it. The Bucks get that upset plus value. Again, if, if you like Tampa to win, they've got a good shot at being the highest scoring team of the weekend at plus 850. Right. The only other team I would consider is Green Bay. because You have basically the best hmm. offense in football as tied for the third choice. I know they're playing the Rams, but again... That is being factored in. Only three teams I would consider. You know, like Bills or Ravens.
1: you know, like Bills or Ravens. No, the winner of the Bills-Ravens no, game. has got to be. And I
2: and I and I hate that this is how I'm feeling. I hate it. You know, you know, I hate it. I kind of keep thinking about the under in this game, and it makes me very uncomfortable mm. because, like, okay. why? Why? Like these teams can can move right. the ball. With that being said, the lowest scoring team that I would somewhat take a look at for a value perspective it could be buffalo because i'm getting that upset and i'm getting a lower score team the titans last week scored 13 points against that ravens team the the Titans were the highest scoring offense in the nfl right. day. so again at a plus 750 number right if i've got the ravens to win the game Again, you then have to probably – you have to play a team total under on Buffalo if you're going to play them in this lowest-scoring market. Okay. Don't leave money on the table is my only thing with this stuff like this. You like, buy the Rams be- as the
1: favorite in this market? It's this the same thing, right? Don't they have the lowest team total, lowest score yeah. in the game, and you're saying the same thing with the Chiefs? Sure, you might go over it. What about the Rams? We don't know who's playing starting quarterback for this team even.
2: Yeah. So the interesting thing is, I've kind of liked the over a little bit in that in that Packer Ram game. Oh, okay. And I think the interesting okay. and I think the interesting thing uh, with the Rams is, if you like this team to be the lowest scoring team of the week, don't you then just like the Packers to cover, right? Again, just just yeah. talk through your process there, right? I would think if you right. think the Rams are going to be the lowest scoring team of the week, you probably would have Green Bay winning by a touchdown or more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We talked about that when we watched for the hook as well, right? Because if you like them, you might as well get it now. We'll look a little bit more at these four divisional round games when we come back, giving you the winning edge right here on the early line. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the winning edge on Sports Grid. I'm Dane Martinez. I got the candle burner, Kevin Walsh, with me right now as we break it down. Big shout-out to everybody, including our newest audience on SiriusXM channel 204. It is the divisional weekend, Kev. So let's take a look at some of these games. I know you were just talking about, you know, that Bills-Ravens game and not kind of knowing where you want to go on the total, right? Like, what are you thinking about this? No Zach Moss for the Buffalo 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 Bills, the Baltimore Ravens will continue to be running the ball. Lamar looks spry as ever, shall we say. What are you Mm -hmm. thinking on this one? I will make the note again. Governor Cuomo says we are right for 6,700 people. Bills Mafia will be in the building on uh, Saturday night. Well, I just think that Ravens game, and I don't want to
2: overreact, but that total was 54 and a half. I mean, they didn't get to 40, right? Like, I just think that when you look at that game, a Bills defense, even if you're not super high on it, much better than what the Titans were bringing to the table. And the Ravens defense is much better than what the Colts were bringing to the table. 50 and a half is a big number. Now, it can get there, right? Because Josh Allen and this Bills offense – I didn't even think they played anywhere near an A-plus kind of game against the Colts, and they were able to get to 27. And the Ravens started off really slow and, you know, still got themselves to 20. And they got to a point in the game, Dane, right, similar to probably the Saints when they were playing the Bears. Uh, they opted for a more conservative approach because it felt like their defense was going to be able to walk it home the rest of the way, and, and they were correct uh, in that thought process. But, again, 50-and-a-half, like, you, you talk through a final score here, uh, and. Man, I, I just, you know, I could see it 24-20, either direction. And yeah, I that's yeah. comfortably under. So 50-and-a-half, okay. it's a big number. I will say the snow actually sometimes will push me to the over because defenses can be slipping. The ground games can be a bit more effective, although right. there is no ground game really for Buffalo. I just keep thinking under here, and I don't like that because okay. I significantly prefer going with overs. And these are two offenses that can bring it to the table, but... I just, I can see this game playing towards that lower scoring kind of type of affair. And you
1: still have. You know, you still have a couple of days to finalize your thought process. We'll talk a lot more about this game and all the games tomorrow. I do want to ask you about Cleveland, Kansas City. We haven't talked about this as much, right? It's a 10-point spread. Everyone thinks the Kansas City Chiefs are like, you know, the Kings ready to be crowned, and I get that, okay? I think Kansas City will ultimately win this game as well, okay? However, Kev, I know we talked about it a lot, right? Like the way teams can try to beat the Chiefs. I'm reminded last year when the Colts and Marlon Mack punched them in the mouth where the Texans and, Carlos Hyde punched him in the mouth. We've been talking about could, you know, a King Henry, could a Baltimore. And what about Kansas City with their third best run game in the National Football League at like 148 yards a game? Chubb and Hunt, we know. Hunt wanted to take it personal as a revenge game. And here's the other stat that I saw. The Kansas City Chiefs are dead last, Kev, in the NFL. And when their opponents get into the red zone, The Chiefs' defense allows seven, not three. Opponents' touchdown percentage in the red zone, they are dead last. And when I hear Chubb and Hunt in the red zone being able to pound, I think, you know, make a case. Is there a case that the Browns, you know, implement a different style of game, running the ball and kind of stay close and then can, you know, steal this one? Do you see a path to victory for the Browns at all?
3: I
2: think the case is the Chiefs come out the way they did during a lot of the postseason uh, last year. They spot the Browns a two-touchdown lead. They play from behind the whole way, and the Browns get to play in front the whole way. And the Browns stay aggressive to the way that they did against the Steelers. Instead of just handing the ball off every single play to Chubb, they keep trying to pick apart a Chiefs team and say, we got it because 14 nothing against the Chiefs, and you got to keep going. 14 ain't going to beat him, right? So that right. would be the case. There's a different case, though, that I'd like to make. And you say this a lot of times. I do like to take one thing and turn it into another. So I was asking last week about the Chiefs at minus 115 to win the AFC. And how would that number move You know, after one week, the market getting shortened? When the Browns were set up to play the Chiefs, I was like, wow, that thing is going to be flipping to like minus like 250. Nope. Not at all. Minus 125. I mean, I don't understand this in the slightest. Like, the Browns are 10-point dogs. The favored matchup for the Chiefs was the Baltimore Ravens, just based on how things looked like they were going to go. So I don't really understand how this number only goes up to minus 125. I absolutely... Look... Things could go crazy here. My confidence level in the Chiefs winning this game, though, is as high as it gets when we enter the postseason. That just looks like Chiefs' money line to me, and whether they play the Bills or the Ravens, I know I'm going to be on the Chiefs regardless of which one of those two teams that they see. Like, it's now or never, Dane. We want to get involved with the Mm -hmm. Chiefs in the futures market. It is now or never, minus 125 to win that AFC
1: fair enough uh like and you continue to look at one bet and then also look at the future in building your cards i like the way you stack these things one against the other the last question i want to ask you goes to rams packers kev listen you know this packers offense has been incredible right aaron rodgers we think is going to be the mvp i mean first in the league in scoring only 11 turnovers all season long that leads the league as well but then there's this rams defense you know which is number one in a lot of categories right this rams defense number one in points per game yards per game passing yards a game you know will the rams defense hold up against this packers offense
2: i think when when you take a look at everything that is going on here for the rams right we know that they're going to try and do this with the defense but the, the the ground game is just as important just trying to slow everything down make it take longer right and i i just wonder how much we should be adjusting for donald and acres and the health because again clearly neither one of these guys is going to be 100% entering this game if just if green bay gets in front man it just it changes Everything. It really, really does. It makes this such an uphill battle for the Rams. I think this game, more than any, your game script, not just your game, your game
1: script prediction is so crucial to betting this game. Right. No, absolutely, to see if they can, you know, keep it close and have it be that style makes fight, right? You're going to know pretty quickly if that's the kind of style that's going on and if it will kind of keep it close. Like you said, whoever gets out in front to to force maybe one team to another style. I've got a trivia question for you, Kev. I've got a trivia question for mm-hmm. you. You ready? Mm-hmm. One player this weekend, someone who was playing this weekend, became the fourth player all time. To have a season where they had 110 receptions and 15 or more receiving touchdowns in the same season 110 or more catches and 15 or more receiving touchdowns in the same season four men have done it all time including one person who did it this year to become the fourth wide receiver ever to do it all time. And one of them is playing this weekend. I will give you the commercial break to sort of think about that. I also mentioned that because we have our guy, George Kurtz joining the fun in a little while, and I want him to think about it as well. So let's see if he can figure it out. But before we go to break, we know um, you have been saying there's been reports now. Schefter is tweeting. It looks like the Jazz and Urban Meyer are getting real close
2: right yeah Adam Schefter uh sending out tweets just a couple of moments ago saying Jacksonville and former Ohio State head coach Urban Meyer are in advanced talks to see if they can finalize a deal uh they met again on Wednesday yesterday uh and he said at this time that is the only option on the table for Urban Meyer uh Jags owner Shad Khan's process has led him to Meyer and Meyer is highly interested the two sides trying to finalize a deal this week so Urban Meyer Back to the coaching scene in the NFL. Jags are on the clock. Very interesting.
1: Check it out with Kurtz after this. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the winning edge on SportsGrid. Big shout-out to all of our affiliates. So many ways now here in the new year to watch and listen to SportsGrid get the winning edge after all, especially big shout-out to our newest affiliates, SiriusXM Channel 204. Well, we we turn our attention to hockey. They dropped the puck yesterday, and when they dropped the puck, I got to bring in my guy, George Kurtz, to help make sense of it. So we do that now. George Kurtz joining the early line. How you doing, brother man? Happy New Year! I feel like I haven't spoken to you in a while. What's
3: going on, George? Happy New Year to you also. What is the moratorium on that, by the way? What have we done with Happy New Year? I don't Year? know. I think that's a good question. For Dane, I it's think that is a good until question. Until the first
2: time he sees somebody in 2021, right? I'm convinced. Thank so you, late Kevin. September. That is now Happy my answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think. And by the time I see people in person these days who know when it's going to be, I think I've got the entire month of January, though. That's my opinion, and I'm going with it. So Happy New Year, George. And what I want to ask you here, as the hockey season gets going, I remember, George, we talked about this going into baseball season. And I remember you talked about the central divisions in the American League and National League in baseball having kind of a different strength of schedule given the way the league had to regionalize and put everything together. They've done something similar in the NHL with the divisions, right? A lot of it because Canada can't travel to the United States and that sort of thing. Are there any liens? Are there any values there? Tell me what you've thought about, like, not only these games that started last night, but how they've organized the divisions. And is there a strong division, a group of death, as you will? Is there any value there looking at these divisions?
3: Now, it's funny you should mention that, by the way. The weakest division, once again, in the NHL is... The Central, central? Division. There you it's go. the Central again. <laughs> go figure. Uh, once again, that's the division actually with the defending Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, now, mm. the Lightning, actually, they're not the, the same Ning. team either. The, that's right. The Ning. Mike Blewett's Ning. That's what it is. Mike <laughs> but Blewitz if the Ning are
1: in the worst division, do I bet them to get the points title? You know what I mean? Because they got a softer schedule also?
3: You would think that. But they lost Nikita Kucherov. Nikita Kucherov is a... Mm. Probably being kind as top five player in the NHL. He could be the best player in the NHL. Top three, uh, one of the best wings there is. Out, out there are out there. He's gone for the regular season. Maybe he's back for round two of the playoffs, and that's a big time maybe. So that hurts the team. But the rest of the teams in this division, Columbus, nobody special. Carolina, a good workman-like team, but still not there. Dallas has so many injuries, I don't know what's going to happen. And they were in the cup final against the Ning last year. way, that would be a first, obviously, yeah. that a team that won the cup is now in the same division as the team that lost uh, that they lost to the cup to. Go figure. Yeah, Uh, Detroit's (laughs) the worst team in the NHL. Florida's a mess. Nashville's a solid team, but nothing great here. And Chicago, once again, another injury-riddled team here. The Ning are going to walk through this division easily here. So here, a points title, even without Kucherov, is certainly in play here for the Ning.
2: Let me ask you this, George, because the lightning rolled yesterday, right? The Blackhawks got a consolation goal. Good for them. At least they weren't shut out. Nobody shut out yesterday. But these teams run it back tomorrow. I know I'm getting a little bit ahead, but I do think it's interesting, and I, I want to make sure I ask you about this. Do you think early season is the thought process, ah, a little tough to beat the same team twice in three days? Because that's what we see in the NBA, these teams playing twice, same building in three days. Or the Lightning were minus 250. This game, they're going to be minus 230. Sounds like value, parlay partner all over Tampa Bay.
3: Yeah, this is probably the wrong game to look at because Chicago's terrible. All right, they're just a Mm -hmm. bad team. I'll be on the name tomorrow again. But there's another game that played last night, Edmonton-Vancouver. Didn't go the way I wanted it to go. Uh, Got the goals. Didn't get the right team scoring the Mm -hmm. goals. Uh, But they're they're playing again tomorrow. And the first thing that went through my head last night was, do I go back to the well? Do I go back with Edmonton? Mm Because they lost game one. Now, generally, guys in the NHL, it's sort of like a doubleheader in baseball. Hard to sweep. Right? You're going to get a lot of splits. Mm-hmm. Same thing in the NHL on back-to-back games. When it's truly back-to-back, if they're playing tonight. they got a day right. off tomorrow. So you may not get the mm-hmm. back of goaltenders coming in tomorrow. You may not get McIlhenny for uh, you know, the name. It may be Vasilevsky again. I don't care who the goalie is for Chicago tomorrow. It's a trash can in that. McIlhenny is a number two, and they're using him as a number one. And they're a bad team, guys. They're just a bad team. If Detroit's not the worst team in the NHL, it might very well be Chicago this season. Shame, but they have too many problems here. That they're not going to be over are able to overcome in what is a sprint season? So I'll be on the Ning tomorrow, but like I said, a game like Edmonton-Vancouver, those teams are closer. Do I go to Edmonton now because they lost game one? Or do I think that, hey, you know, maybe – they're not going to be able to – maybe they're going to go to a slow here. They haven't figured it out yet. Only 10-day training camp could very well be. Maybe they haven't put uh, things together. Their goal looked to look terrible in Koskinen last night. They'll probably go to Mike Smith tomorrow. I'd be shocked if they didn't. So I think we'll have to wait and see how this is going to play out this year because like the NBA guys, All we're going to get is back-to-back games with teams playing each other. Sometimes three-game series because they want to lessen the travel here. You're only playing divisional games. That's it. So they want to lessen the travel, three-game series. I think there's even one four-game series between two teams at some point this season.
1: Hey, George. You know, I I was asking Cam some of this yesterday as well because, you know, he's plugged into the NHL just like you are. You just talked about, like, a 10-day training camp. And you talk about in the last game you bet, like, you got the goals but from the wrong side. I want to ask you about totals. I want to ask you about totals. Early on in this NBA season, do you think offense will be ahead of defense? Is there any reason to expect, you know, like we've seen random things, you know, at the start of the football season, right? At the start of the basketball season. Are there any other trends at the start of the hockey season? You think like uh, as it relates to totals, are we going to see a lot of high scoring games or maybe is defense ahead of offense? Like you said, they've only had a 10 day training camp. Do you think we're going to see scoring early on in the NHL?
3: Looks that way. I mean, we had a lot of goals last night. A lot of goals. Yeah. I think th- uh, three. I think all the games went over except for maybe one. I think the uh saint uh, Louis game did not go over. It came close but didn't go over. Other than that, we had nine. Nine. Do we have a ten? And uh, Chicago got that one goal, I think, that pushed us over five and a half here. Now, it's five games. It's obviously the smallest of small sample sizes. Sure. But it did raise an eyebrow. Carey Price, one of the best goaltenders in the NHL, let up five goals. Didn't see that coming i thought he played better mm. uh, the goalies could be a little bit behind because they haven't had that kind of practice time yet uh i'll be the first to admit hockey training camp guys is usually not very long anyway maybe it's three weeks under a normal situation here it was this was 10 and 10 if you have if you made the playoffs 14 if you didn't but as i keep bringing up most of these hockey players would have played in tournaments during the off season after the regular nhl right. season ended most 90 percent didn't do that this year some did go go to europe and play there but most did not so they haven't played now some of these guys in months. They've skated around, sure, what they could during the pandemic. So I uh, I would have thought the other way around that goaltending would have been uh, a head down, but it does look like offenses. I think we'll get a better read tonight because the other night we get nine more games tonight, so we will have a better yeah. idea here. Was last night just a, mm. a weird night? You know that a couple of teams scored a lot of goals, right. or is this going to be a, a higher scoring NHL?
2: And then I guess with that being said, George, and you mentioned it a little bit with Edmonton how do you then judge that first set of games is is it almost just you take it for what it is and and you'll you'll have to five games like what is the line of demarcation where you're like all right this is what it is this this is who this team is i mean maybe that's not until a month from now i know you don't want to overreact but you also you and the fact that they didn't play preseason blows my mind like i like this is all preseason i almost feel like right
3: it's the hardest thing because there was no pre we have no games to judge, right? We didn't see anybody play. Yeah. You know, it's it's the most uh, it's what makes things difficult here. But we can't wait a month. We want to win money now. So you <laughs> have to sort of make this educated guess here. What's gonna happen here? I can't wait a month to find out. I'd like like to. We'd all like to, you know, but we have we need yeah. to make decisions now. So we, we're not waiting here. All right. So when it comes to this, generally in the NHL, I pick on the goaltenders. All right, you look for a team that's starting okay. a bad goaltender. This is why I like right, when, when teams goalie. play Edmonton, I think goalie's are gonna be score. I think goals are gonna be scored against Edmonton. Bad goalie. I meant to Chicago. Bad there's nothing they can do. They don't have a good goalie on the roster. Toronto has a decent goalie in Frederick Anderson, but the style of defense they play, the forwards aren't big on back checking. They're gonna play run and gun games. They're gonna play, you know. Yeah. Late 80s, Houston Oilers football-type uh, games here. Colorado-Rocky-type right games when you're playing Colorado in Coors Field. That's the way it is, and I look for that. When I see hmm. that and I see two good offenses, I'm going the over. I'm just going the over. Colorado is a team. They're a very good team, but the goaltending is shaky. I know they can score goals. That's another team when they're, when they're not playing a, a team that has defense. St. Louis has defense, hmm. so I didn't bet them last night. But when they're playing a team that doesn't have such good defense, maybe you want to bet that the over in that game. That's the way I look at it. You might want to go for the props in that game. I like props I just, in the NHL a lot. You can get, you know, the a guy to get an, an assist, half of you know, just one assist, and you might get plus money on it if you're willing to do the homework so, and look. There are nine games tonight. You got to look at a hundred props here. So you got to yeah, really do your homework you know. here, but you can pick and choose the numbers you like. It's
1: important. So let me ask you, let's apply that right now. I see two games on the slate tonight that reference what you were talking about. I believe Colorado going into Nashville. You were talking about Colorado. I see a total of five and a half in that game. And then you were talking about Edmonton not being the greatest, you know, inside the pipes. They are at home. They got Vancouver, who, you know, won yesterday already. Total is six and a half in that game. Are you going to have any action on those two games, the Predators or uh, or Edmonton at home tonight?
3: I'm definitely going to have it on Edmonton. All right, uh... I go to the well with this team. You know, they. I'll say it again. Edmonton. I expect Mike Smith to be in goal for them. Veteran goaltender. Yeah, he could have a stand-up game. He could. But in the end, this is not a good defensive team. They let up a ton of goals last night. I don't think things are going to change tonight. I think Edmonton will play better tonight and score some goals. So I'm going to take the over here, and I'll have props on McDavid, Dry, Subtle, might go Brock Bozer for Vancouver as well. These are good players here. I don't think JT Miller's going to play for Vancouver tonight. We'll have to check on one night closer to the game time, but he's another player I like. The other game I'm probably big on tonight is uh, Vegas. I knew I had it written Ooh. down here. Uh, I'm big on Vegas tonight. Uh, once again, good team playing bad team, just playing the odds here.
1: Right. All right. Fair enough. Well, we are about to go to a break, Okay. When we come back, though, we want to hold you. We want to learn a little bit more about these games where you may have action in the NHL. And I do want to also pick your brain about some of the stuff we're seeing in Major League Baseball, George, because the hot stove is heating up. I don't care if I can still say Happy New Year to you. The hot stove is on and popping. Want to get your thoughts on the moves the Mets are making, the Padres are making, where will Bauer and Springer wind up? All of that when we come back with George Kurtz right here on the early line. Welcome back, everybody. Right here to the early line, giving you the winning edge on SportsGrid. That's what we do. So many ways to hear us and listen to us. Big shout out to SiriusXM channel 204. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician. We got the candle burner Kevin Walsh as well. George Kurtz continues to join us because the NHL is back. Kev, I want to I'm not Kevin. George, I want to ask you though. I should have asked you in a kind of big picture of it all. Listen, the NBA is dealing with COVID. College basketball is dealing with COVID, right? The NHL was in the bubble previously. How is this going to go, George? Because, you know, I ask Kevin all the time with the NBA. Roster size is smaller. You play multiple games in a week. You know, I know, hearing from Kevin, you know, some of the protocols in place, some of the enhanced protocols in place now in the NBA. How do you think the NHL is, you know, handling COVID? Because, I mean, this goes over across international lines, George.
3: Well, it's not gonna go international alliance because they're gonna stay in Canada. You mentioned it earlier, I know, going Canada. I but the Canadian players
1: are still gonna have to whatever the policy is, you know.
3: Yeah, uh, well, Canada's done a better job at it than we have for the most part, so that should be good for them. Uh you already mentioned the big thing, the big difference between the NBA and the NHL, bigger rosters. I mean, uh the NHL generally you have uh what, 12, 13 you have about twenty you have a twenty man roster on game nights. All right now they've extended well you still have a 20 game roster but you have a taxi squad with your four to six players so you can mm-hmm. and you can listen i understand you know you want to play with 20 but teams have played a, a man or two down during games so you'd have to lose probably seven to eight players to really impact an nhl game It was well, and we you know oh my god we lost seven we can't we can't replace these guys can't call up anybody from the ahl to really impact the game here so you're probably okay in the nhl now yes the Dallas Stars had a major outbreak, uh, I want to say, 10 days ago. Right around when training camp opened, right. 17 players tested positive. They had a Miami Marlins outbreak. All right? It happened. Luckily, all 17 are said to be either well on their way to recovery or asymptomatic. They're fine. They did have to postpone their first three games. All right? So they're, they're, Dallas Stars aren't going to play until next week. The Florida Panthers lose a couple of games. The Tampa Bay Lightning lose a game in there as well. The Ning. All right? So that happens there. Hmm. Now – just like in football, guys. All right, it's beginning of the season, no big deal. They'll postpone the games. They'll be able to reschedule at some point. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll they'll make the schedule a condensed season, a little more condensed. There is what it'll turn out to be. But what happens if this big an outbreak happens in March? Where maybe you don't have time to reschedule these games. That's going to be totally the key. Uh, the key for the NHL. What are they going to do? Because I keep saying this over and over again in every show. The big problem for the NHL and I believe the NBA as well this season are the Olympics in late July, NBC covers the Olympics, NBC covers the NBA, NBC covers the NHL. They want the seasons done before the Olympics. And neither league wants to go on hiatus for a month and then go play the playoffs in mid August. They're not going to want that. So they're not going to want to delay the regular season. I think the NHL has built maybe an extra week, maybe has an extra week guys, which is three, four games you could get in if you have to. But I think like the NFL, It's going to be like, you know, uh, Paulie and Goodfellas. What? You got COVID? F you play. You know Mm -hmm. what? (laughs) Three guys out? F you play. Yeah, Go play. You're not going to care, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: George, the question I want to ask you before we transition is a game that I actually just watched move where a team was minus 115. And now they're uh, minus 110 both sides here. Islanders and Rangers. There's no way I'm letting you get out of here without talking to me uh, about your Isles playing the Rangers. Yeah. I, I love that it's high stakes for both of these fan bases. <laughs> Game one, you're not going to settle in. You have to listen to the other side yell and scream about, uh, you know, getting this opening win. What do you see here between the
3: Islanders and the Rangers? Yeah, they're actually playing back to back. They play each other again on Saturday too. So, so uh, well, hey, get right to it. Perfect. Uh, first of all, I'm the first. I'm an Islander fan. You said it, and I'm the first to tell you. You give the Rangers a year, maybe two, this team's going to be dynamite. I think they're going to be the new team to beat in the NHL. Yeah. I, uh, you know, your new Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, Toronto okay. Maple Leafs. There's so mm. much talent on the Rangers. Uh, the talent, talent on offense too. is really already there. It needs to mature a little bit, but it's really already there. It's the defense. If that cooks right, they get the right players in there, and those players mature – Look out for the Rangers. The goaltending is good. Shostarkin and Gorgiev, you can make an argument that's the best duo in the NHL. I'm not saying Shostarkin's the best goalie in the NHL. I'm saying the best duo, the best combination, which in this NHL season is important with all these back-to-back games. Right. You want to have a good backup goaltender. What the Islanders is playing and well, they have nowhere near the talent of the Rangers, or m- many other teams for that matter. They have to play their system. When they play that defensive mm. system from the goaltending on out, which is boring hockey – it is. It's very boring hockey. But when they play that system like that and they hit everything that moves, they're a frustrating team to play against. When they're in the groove and they're playing that way, I said they're no fun. When they're not, they're going to lose 4-5-1. I expect this, these two games to be split. I do. Rangers all play tonight. I'll go with the Rangers here. Once again, they, um, I should say the Rangers play tonight. They're in the garden tonight. They're at home. I'll go with the Rangers here. I think the analysts will take care of business on Saturday and they'll split
1: home ice advantage reigning supreme in this matchup of New York Rangers and Islanders you know Cam said that also that the Rangers are on the come and in about two years they will be one of the biggest contenders for the Stanley Cup George I do want to turn our attention to baseball real quick you know because we have you you are one of our resident baseball experts here in the hot stove I mean the Mets made their splash last week right they get Lindor they get Carrasco which I think is an under thought of, part of that deal to log some innings for that team. But the hot stuff continues. I mean, George, pitchers and catchers report in like a month. Where do you think the other dominoes will fall? George Springer is still linked to the Mets. You know, DJ LeMahieu will he play nice with the Yankees or continue to entertain these other big money offers out on the West Coast? Trevor Bauer out there, where will he go? And Bauer, as you know, likes to talk, and he had something to talk about last week when it kind of came out that the Angels clubhouse attendant, was, you know, making a, uh, a substance, shall we say, and showing everyone how to do it, including some big-time members of the Houston Astros, and Bauer had no problem throwing some shade that way. Oh, spin rate can jump up. I wonder how. But what do you think about some of these big fish still left to land in the hot stove of Major League Baseball?
3: Yeah, George Springer, I think, is down for pretty much the two teams, Toronto Mets. Yeah, you know, like does you want to play in Canada, take less money, uh Canadian dollar and all that, or do you want to go with the Mets? And we're not sure what the Mets are offering yet. He's a good fit for the Mets. They need a center fielder. I do think what most teams are worried about with Springer is that two years, maybe not a center fielder. You know, you to right. pay you're paying a lot of yeah. prime money for a guy who may not well, don't be able the Mets to have Nimmo? anchor that position. What's that? Right? Don't they just have Nimmo they could put there? He's not a very believe it or not, he's not a very good defensive center fielder. Mm. He, he looks the type like he should be. That's the funny thing. He looks like he should be, but he's not. He's just That's why the Mets need okay. a center fielder. But I think the Mets, in some way, in some ways, the Blue Jays are worried about the same thing. Two years, not going to be able to man that position, at least not well. Anyways, I think they're concerned yeah. about that. In uh, the end here, I think he's going to the Mets. I just think he's going to the Mets, which brings Lemayu interesting because right now the uh, Lemayu fits the Blue Jays as well here. I think he could be their consolation prize if they don't get Springer. All right. I think the fact that the Yankees are very slow footing this is could hurt them. Where another team, the Mets, the Blue Jays, the Dodgers have kicked the tires here about yeah, LeMayu. Yeah. Mm. Now the Dodgers won't pay LeMay what he could get offered. You know, he I don't want to say these extra piece, but he fits, but he doesn't fit. They could go Justin Turner there and sign him. So I think the Yankees could end up hurting themselves, but the advantage of the Yankees is he wants to be there. He likes right. it there. The players want him back, the manager wants him back. They they just gotta come to an agreement on a contract. Isn't Bauer the most interesting thing? Have you oh, heard He's of always he, an
1: interesting thing.
3: <laughs> he's always he's an interesting he's, thing he's, when he's we talk team. Trevor Bauer, yeah. but yeah. He's a blast. But we have we've heard no real teams being associated with him. You know, I, I thought true. before the offseason started or before which really got heated up. That the Angels would be the team for him. They need pity. See, I was going to be on the they Padres.
1: I was on the Padres early on, but they already made their move at the starting rotation, right? I thought Bauer would get back up with Clevenger. They were like a young, happy, excited team. His personality would fit, but they already made their move, right, with Snell and Darvish. So I think it is. It is interesting. He will be a prize, you know. So if you had to bet though, where where where's where's Trevor Bauer starting?
3: Yeah, it won't be the Mets, right? No. I don't. They got Carrasco now. They don't need it, so I don't. I think they'll spend on Springer but not another starting pitcher, so I, I'm going to take him out. We're not hearing any team. We're not hearing any team. I, I think the Blue Jays would make sense for him too. I think they need a pitcher, and they have money. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what? I'm going to say the Blue Jays. I'm going to say they'll be the Blue Jays because they're going to lose out on Springer. I think they'll lose out on LeMahieu as well. So I think they'll then they'll turn their mind to pitching since they can't get the two hitters here. I'll go the Blue Jays, but I don't feel confident in this as all. Well. I imagine there's a team that we haven't talked about that they end up signing him.
2: George, let me ask you about the LeMayhu thing, because I feel like for a long time, you know, the Yankees kind of, hey, listen, guys, we're not going to go crazy. We're not going to pay everybody a zillion dollars. We want to be smart. Eventually, we'll pay some people. They paid Garrett Cole a ton, right? But, like, what is the angle that justifies this Lemayhew deal not being done? I mean, he – was legitimately in the MVP race. Some would say he was the American League MVP. You know, just because you didn't think that's what you were getting when you signed the guy doesn't mean that you say, ah, it's no harm, no foul if we lose the guy. I mean, he's part of the reason Didi Gregorius is now a Philadelphia Philly. I know Glaber has a hand in that as well. I'm just not really able to wrap my head around how the Yankees can sell the fan base on, ah, don't worry, we lost DJ, it's fine.
3: Well, the problem is this: It's sort of a what's going on with the pandemic, right? Uh, Yankees, are, Yankees are crying poverty, and in some ways, yeah, they lost more money than anybody else because they're the Yankees. But let's face it, they still probably made money. Mm-hmm. It's the Yankees, uh, so they're crying that yeah. DJ wants five Last we heard, the Yankees were about twenty-five million off in a year, so they were about four ninety from what we're hearing there. So that that's a mm-hmm. that's a big gap. Gosh. But obviously, no one else has stepped up for it either going must be signed with somebody mm-hmm. else. It's not like you know Toronto offered five one twenty five. Well, I'm gonna wait for the Yankees. See what they're. No, they have it. No one's offered him what he wants yet, and he's gonna get paid. He's one of the top free agents. The top free agents are going to get paid. Everybody else is gonna get screwed. All right, you're gonna get scraps that are left here because teams aren't don't in this market. They don't want to pay right now. Plus, let's face it, guys i think the baseball season may or may not start on time it wouldn't shock me if it's may 1st the owners are sort of pushing for may 1st they want to get out have spring training in april may first start because that's what they think more fans can get in but if they do start in april it could be the first two months of the season before we see fans so that's more money they're going to lose it's what's scaring everybody away here i think in the end the yankees do sign Lemayhew, but they're keeping everything else on hold they're not doing any other signings until they figure out about Lemayhew one way or the other here They don't have much of a pitching staff right now. I mean, everything is pretty much Jared Cole and a whole bunch of
1: youngsters. And Severino will be back. Severino doesn't come back until the summer. You know, I like Debbie Garcia and all. I think Clark Schmidt is going to be a beast eventually. But there's not much there. I think you're right, George. Uh, Only about a minute left in this segment. I do want to ask you about this Bubba Harkins scandal situation. He is the Angels clubhouse attendant who is basically diming out everybody saying, yeah, like – I feel like this is almost the pitcher's answer to steroids, right? Like everybody's using this. We've seen the spin rates go up. What do you think is going to happen here? But I, I don't feel like people are focused on it. Maybe it's these all these other sports going on, but it doesn't seem like people are talking much about this scandal. What are your thoughts here about what the Angels Clubhouse guy had to say? That's because it's not a scandal.
3: This hmm. is the most known thing in baseball. Yeah, Everybody so steroids, knows the pitchers right? are doing this. No one cares. Yeah, Michael Pineda can have pine tar in his neck, and I know, but, like,
1: still. You I, I mean, everyone knew they were taking it. steroids.
3: Obvious. You just can't make it obvious. That's all. All right? Then no, The batters don't care because they want you to know where the ball's going. They don't want a 95-mile-per-hour spheroid coming out their head. They don't care. Nobody cares. Baseball should make it legal or do what they do in the Japanese leagues and have a ball with Tacky on the ball. This way you mm. know where the ball's going. It's Like I said, nobody cares. You know, Buster Holy came out and said it. Everybody knows this already. This is not a shock. No one cares about this.
1: So not a big deal according to George Kurtz, although I will say George Kurtz just used the word spheroid here on this show. When we come back, we see if George or Kevin knows my trivia Mm -hmm. question from earlier on in the show as we close off the early line. Welcome back, everybody, getting the winning edge here on Sports Grid on the Early Line. Dane and Kevin, we keep George around here because I want to see if anybody can answer this question as we tie a nice, neat little bow on this episode of the Early Line. Four wide receivers in NFL history have had seasons where they have 110 or more catches and 15 or more touchdowns. It was three going into the season. A fourth did it this year, and he's playing this weekend. Uh,
3: George, you're the guest on this show, so we'll let you go first. Well, I guess I did guess wrong the first time. I said digs. I keep saying Adams, Devontae Adams had the most fantasy points this season. So I guess that could translate to uh, 15 touchdowns and over 100 and was it 10 catches? Adams on Green Bay. Absolutely.
1: He is the man who is playing this weekend and joins the group with his season this year. That means three wide receivers have done this historically before the 2020 season. They are all big time brand names. I'll give you a clue. Two of them are known for playing with the same organization. Kevin?
2: Oh, gosh, with this nonsense that tried to help me one other time, and it completely it. Oh, it It helped George, apparently.
3: It helped George, apparently.
2: I'm going to give one guess, and then I'm basically done for the show. If Antonio Brown's not on that list, I'm hopeless. If he's not on the list, I got no shot. I think he's on that list. But if he's not, I'm done.
1: Antonio Brown is not on this list. George Kurtz, did the organization franchise help you? What franchise do you think
3: I'm talking about, George? San Fran. Give me a guess. Uh, Owens and Rice. Uh, Jerry Rice
1: is on this list. Terrell Owens is not. You now have two of the four. Guys, the franchise in question is the Minnesota Vikings. Moss. And a man who all he did was catch touchdowns, Chris Carter, Randy Moss, Jerry Rice, and the 2020 season of Devontae Adams have reached that threshold. We'll talk about Adams, the Packers, and more tomorrow on a football Friday here on the Early Line. Keep it locked here on Sirius XM Channel 204 to get the winning edge on the grid all day long. Jared and Ariel in the morning after of Up Next. Have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you more tomorrow.